There is nobody. I'm alone in this country. I don't have any relatives. I don't have any friends. I'm alone. During the night, I maybe sleep three to four hours. I'm in bed, but my mind is not in bed. My mind is in Afghanistan. Quote from friends, Afghan evacuees need mental health support. Research by Human Rights Watch. Hello and welcome to Empowering Minds, a podcast by Mental Health Europe featuring conversations with mental health experts, psychologists and psychiatrists, practitioners and people with lived experience. I'm Margie, my pronouns are they them, and I'm Junior Communication Officer at Mental Health Europe, and today we will talk about migrants, refugees and mental health. On the 10th of October 2022, Mental Health Europe held an event entitled World Mental Health Day migrants, refugees and mental health at the European Parliament. The event was co-hosted by MEP Estrella Durafurandis and MEP Tilly Metz. More than 100 people participated in the event, both online and in person, with profiles spanning across European institutions, European networks, national experts, persons with lived experience and more. This episode will bring you the voices of Tetiana and Ahmad, two people who experienced forced displacement. Their stories took place in two different moments in time and space, but they share similar needs, struggles and hope for the future of mental health in the context of migration. Before listening to their stories, it's important to frame this conversation with the help of the experts who took part in the event on World Mental Health Day. Stella Kyriakides, European Commissioner for Health and Food Safety, opened the event highlighting that crises have a disproportionate impact on the most vulnerable in society, such as women, children, young people, the elderly, refugees and migrants. Mental health is a timely topic, since we are possibly facing one of the greatest mental health challenges of this century. The Commissioner took this opportunity to refer to the recent announcement by President Ursula von der Leyen of a comprehensive mental health approach, where the term comprehensive refers to the notion that mental health goes across our society. Whether this is education or employment, whether this is health, it is important we address it in all areas, and we now see how it has been impacted on because of the war and the conflict. MEP Tilly Maz takes the opportunity to remind us the impact that fleeing a conflict or a dire situation has on children and youth. Young people need expert support to deal with traumas they may have experienced. And we cannot forget about the role that parents and caregivers have in these delicate situations. They need educational resources to be well equipped to talk about the trauma and to deal with it themselves. Prolonged trauma, anxiety and depression are some of the key mental health problems that migrants are more likely to experience, suggests Ronan Mangan, head of unit for social inclusion at the Red Cross EU office. These mental health experiences are due to a number of risk factors that characterize the migratory journey, such as danger and violence, including sexual and gender-based violence, detention, family separations, poor reception conditions and prolonged asylum procedures. 
While facing these challenges, refugees and migrants often deal with social exclusion and discrimination, which exacerbate the distress caused by the displacement experience itself. The reality of undocumented migrants is another crucial part of the conversation that is often forgotten or ignored. Letizia van der Vennet, advocacy officer at the Platform for International Cooperation on Undocumented Migrants, explains how undocumented people live in very precarious situations for very long periods of time. They face extremely difficult living and working conditions, limited economic opportunities, exclusion from key services and the possibility of facing deportations. All of this contributes to chronic stress, uncertainty and inequalities impacting people's physical and mental health. However, their struggles are often left outside the priorities of governments and institutions. Talking about migrants, displaced people and mental health is a responsibility that we all should take seriously. Using the right words is not only good practice, but we should aim to make it a priority in our conversations. Staying away from stigmatizing and dehumanizing language will allow us to reframe the conversation and highlight the role of systemic cultural, political and social bias. It's now time to listen to the interviews, Our Stories, Seeking Mental Health in the Context of Migration, which take us inside the migration journey, the struggle of fleeing one's country without knowing where to go, and the impact that this process has on people's mental health. Ahmad is a Syrian person who fled Syria in 2015, embarking on a highly dangerous 55-day journey to reach Europe. My name is Ahmad al-Rashid and I'm originally from Syria and I now live in the United Kingdom. I left Syria back um, in 2013 uh, to Iraq um, fleeing the conflict in Syria. The situation got even worse in Iraq and I made the decision to move uh, to Europe. Um, I took a 55-day journey and I arrived in the UK in 2015. I was hiding in the back of a lorry for almost three days. The lorry was moving. I did not have an idea what I was, uh, what I was doing. The moment when I turned on my mobile phone and I got a message, welcome to the UK, here are your rights, blah, blah, blah. Um, it just was you know, a great feeling that I finally made it to safety after crossing several countries, after witnessing some horrendous experiences uh, along the way. So the sort of support that I received upon arrival was to provide the basics about, you know, providing a shelter, uh, providing food. Um, so that sort of the basic necessities were covered. However, I think one of the elements that was sort of missing was the impact of the process of going through the asylum process. It's had a quite significant impact on your mental health and your 
well-being because I remember uh, during the first few weeks it's been like a constant struggle waiting for a letter that would come through the letterbox and that letter would determine your future if your case um, for asylum has been approved or rejected. Where I come from, generally speaking in the Middle East, mental health, mental well-being is a taboo subject. People do not feel comfortable talking about it. People do not feel easy talking about it. This is a subject or this is an area that was suppressed and I believe it continues to be suppressed uh, out of the fear of being judged or there's something, you know, um, wrong with you. So I think that is an area that kind of remained sort of untouched uh, up to this moment. One of the challenges is being able to discuss or open about this. Um, I know there's some sort of support mechanisms in place to help and support, but lacking the understanding, lacking the knowledge, the cultural background of these people, uh, of these individuals, generally speaking, could actually hamper, could hinder, could add to the problem or add to the trouble if there's any, um, as opposed to trying to help. So I think the, the difficulty is understanding the culture, understanding the people's backgrounds, being patient, being aware of, you know, tailoring your support, making sure that this is a unique sort of group of people who've been through perhaps, you know, quite extraordinary experiences and they will need tailored support over time. How you approach it, how you discuss it is quite important. On the 24th of February 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine and the ongoing war caused a human crisis which is far from being under control. We spoke with Tetiana, a Ukrainian woman with two young children who was forced to flee her country following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Tetiana is now in Slovakia where she supports other displaced Ukrainians with the project Ukraine for Ukraine and highlights the importance of sharing her feelings with those who went through the same journey. I am Tatiana, I am from Ukraine. I lived in Kyiv before arriving in Slovakia with two kids aged three and six. We were forced to flee our country just because on the 24th of February, oh my God, on that terrible day, so we woke up uh, and uh, under the cry, under the shouting of my husband, so the war, uh, my husband and I were among those who couldn't accept that fact that there could be a full-scale invasion, especially in major cities, including Kyiv as the capital of Ukraine. So when we heard the bombing at 5 a.m., our first reaction was to grab our emergency bag, kids, and get into the car and go somewhere. We understood the only thing that we had to leave the capital as soon as possible. Only now, when six months passed, I can realize what feelings I had what uh, emotions I experienced at that time, because at that time it was like total blank blackout. So, you know, forced um, displacement is no doubt a huge trauma. And uh, you feel 
despair, you feel fear, you feel loss, loss of your close ones, loved ones, your home, your homeland. And uh, to live through that, uh, you, you need a lot of efforts and a lot of time to live through that. But the new reality is that you're in a new country and you are with uh, um, two kids and you have to think about basic needs. So that is uh, uh, food, that is uh, shelter, where to stay, uh, just education, access to healthcare. And I just remember that the first week, every single day, I was uh, uh, crying so bitterly, I mean, that uh, tears were streaming down non-stop, so without any words, without anything, so, but uh, I was so blessed to get all what I needed. And already after two weeks uh, after arrival, I had a job, my kids were enrolled in the school, so in the kindergarten we got the access to health care so actually we had everything what we needed but yeah mental health suffered suffered a lot yeah at first there was like a wave of help for everyone so but now like everything is coming down so people like get used to that and uh, we see that a lot of uh, um, humanitarian organizations charitable organizations they like uh, step by step fade away from such a huge help and but but now people even need more this uh, physical help so practical support so especially those vulnerable groups as moms as elderly people children so what helped me and helps me so much uh, in restoring my health, uh, mental health is talking and sharing. And I wanted to highlight how vital it is to share uh, your feelings with someone who has lived through the same experience. So, and personally for me, uh, it's something like relaxing, coming down. When I talk to people, who have the same problems, who experience the same fleeing uh, from the war of Ukraine with kids, with no husbands. And only now, when I work in the project Ukraine for Ukraine, I realize that it is a peer-to-peer -peer support that really makes a difference, a huge difference in healing and in building new life in new communities. Trauma doesn't disappear. So we, we have to live through this grief. We have to um, transfer it into uh, other activities. So, but uh, without harm to our health, there is no health without mental health. So, and that is very true. Mental health and mental well-being are essential for asylum systems to work properly and for a successful management of human migration and integration policies, explains Verena Knaus, global lead on migration and displacement at UNICEF. It is in Europe's own best interest to invest in a mental health infrastructure to promptly address the mental health crisis of those who seek refuge in our continent. 
MEP Durafurandis listed four pillars that a European mental health strategy should be based on. Education, environment, digitalization, and mental health systems. We will have better chances to promote a human rights-based approach to migrants' mental health only by engaging in conversations around migration and by making mental health a priority in all policies. Thank you for listening to Empowering Minds. You can keep following our work on our website, mhe-sme.org, and on our social media accounts on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Have a great day.